Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. So let's read together Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 14. And here's what John, who is the human author of the book of Revelation, records in Revelation chapter 11. John said that I was given a reed like a measuring rod, like a, a yardstick. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast, that is the Antichrist, that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on all those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city, that is Jerusalem, fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Now this chapter begins with John being given a measuring rod and being told to measure the temple. This is the temple in Jerusalem. This is the temple, the Bible says, that will be built in Jerusalem after the rapture of the church and at the beginning of the tribulation time. Now, currently, there is no temple in Jerusalem today. In fact, there has not been a temple in Jerusalem since 70 A.D. when the last temple was destroyed by the Roman armies. But the Bible teaches that a temple will be one day rebuilt in Jerusalem. And this temple will be built at the beginning of the tribulation. Now, 
Here's the question. Knowing how important the temple is to the Jewish religion, why haven't the Jews rebuilt the temple already? Why isn't there a temple now in the city of Jerusalem, in the nation of Israel? Well, the temple has not been rebuilt because the temple has to be built on the exact spot chosen for it by God. It was God who chose the exact location that the temple in Jerusalem should be built. In 2 Chronicles 3, chapter 1, here's what the Bible says. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And he began to build the temple on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, the place provided by God. And so the temple was to be built on Mount Moriah, on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Now the Jews know exactly where the original site of the temple is. Then why haven't the Jews rebuilt the temple on that spot today? Why isn't there a temple today in Jerusalem? Well, there's this reason. Because sitting on that site, the ancient site of the temple, is one of the holiest places in all of Islam. The Mosque of Omar and the Dome of the Rock sit on the location of the temple in Jerusalem. If Israel, if the Jewish people tried to tear down or move these sites to rebuild the temple, immediate war would break out with the entire Arab world. Those sites are seen as sacred to the Islamic people. As long as these Islamic holy sites sit on the site of the temple, the temple will not be rebuilt in Jerusalem. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says that after the rapture of the church, the Antichrist will negotiate a treaty, a treaty on the behalf of the world promising Israel security. It will be a part of the Antichrist's ability to bring eventual peace, supposedly, to the Middle East. And after that treaty is signed, the Jews will be, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now, they will either build it on its original site, somehow, some way, that original site will become available, or they will build it close to that original site. Now, apparently, one of the provisions of the security treaty with Israel that the Antichrist will sign with Israel on behalf of the world will be that Jerusalem will come under the control of the Antichrist and his forces, supposedly for the protection of the nation of Israel and the security of Israel. When the go-ahead is given, the temple will be quickly rebuilt. And finally, after thousands of years, temple services will resume in a temple in Jerusalem. All will go well, apparently, until the Antichrist breaks his treaty with the nation of Israel. And when he breaks his treaty, three and a half years 
after he signed it with the nation of Israel. The Antichrist will stop the temple sacrifices and services, and he will desecrate the temple the Jews have built. He will do that by setting up an image of himself in the temple to be worshipped as God. Listen to Daniel 9.27. Then he, that is the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant, a treaty, with many, that is the nation of Israel, for one week, that is one week of years, seven years. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years into the treaty, he will bring an end to sacrifice and offering. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the sin of perdition. The falling away refers to the falling away from the temple, uh, from the treaty that the Antichrist has signed with the nation of Israel. He is the son of perdition. That is when the man of sin, that is the Antichrist, will be revealed to the world for who he really is. Three and a half years into the seven years of tribulation. Then the Bible says Satan, or the Antichrist rather, will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God, all that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. In other words, the Antichrist will erect a statue of himself in the temple in Jerusalem, three and a half years into the time of the tribulation, and he will demand that the Jews and the world worship him as the Christ, the, new, the God of the universe. So as this temple, or this chapter begins rather, John refers to this temple that will be rebuilt in Jerusalem after the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation. And in this chapter, John is told to measure the temple, to take a measuring rod and to measure the temple. What does this mean? Well, this is an indication that God will reject this temple that is built in Jerusalem after the rapture of the church and at the beginning of the tribulation, that God will actually not sanction this temple. He will reject this temple. Now, why will God reject this temple that is built in Jerusalem at the beginning of the tribulation? He will reject it because it will still be built in repudiation and rejection of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus has done to make salvation possible for lost mankind. The Jews will, be re, re, will rebuild the temple, but they will still refuse to accept Christ as the Messiah. Even to the midpoint of the tribulation, the Jews will still reject Jesus and they will offer their sacrifices in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, still looking for another Messiah. But when the Antichrist breaks his treaty with Israel, when God brings judgment on this temple by allowing its desecration by the Antichrist, at that point, three and a half years into the seven years of tribulation, something remarkable will happen. 
through the treachery of the Antichrist, through the ministry of two special witnesses that God will send to preach in Israel, the hearts and the minds of the Jewish people will finally be opened. Three and a half years into the seven years of tribulation, the Bible says that the Jewish people will finally, their eyes will be open and they will finally see that Jesus is the Messiah. It will be at that point that the Bible's prediction will be fulfilled, that all Israel will be saved. That is, the Jewish people will finally, as a whole, as a nation, finally accept Christ as their Messiah. And the 144,000 evangelists will be called forth and deployed around the world to witness to the world, even during the time of tribulation, of who the, the true Messiah is and that Jesus is the Savior and Lord. And Israel will finally become the witnessing nation that God has called them to be. So not long after the tribulation begins, two preachers will suddenly appear in Jerusalem and they will begin a remarkable ministry, a ministry that probably will last for three and a half years. And so today we're going to look at these two preachers who will play a very significant role during the time of the tribulation. First of all, let's look at the ministry of these two witnesses. These two witnesses at the beginning of the tribulation will be sent by God to preach his message, especially to the nation of Israel and to the tribulation world as a whole. Despite never leaving Jerusalem for three and a half years of their ministry, and despite the best efforts of the Antichrist to silence them, the message and the ministry of these witnesses will have a worldwide impact. We know how this can happen through the instant communication that we have now that can connect us all around the world in just the blink of an eye. What will be the message of these two witnesses? Well, first they will explain the judgments of God as they are falling on the tribulation world. The Antichrist will have one explanation for these judgments, but the two witnesses at the wall of the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem will be telling the truth. Second of all, these two witnesses will warn the lost world of more judgments to come. Thirdly, these two witnesses will expose the Antichrist and his lies. Fourthly, they will condemn Israel's continuing rejection of Jesus as their Messiah. But the message of these witnesses, these two witnesses, will not be all judgment. They will preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And they will preach the good news of God's gracious offer to forgive and to save all who will repent and believe. Now God's message, gospel message during the tribulation will be the same as his gospel message is and has always been. God's message has always been one of a choice between judgment and grace. Moses said to his generation, Deuteronomy Chapter 30, verse 19, this day I call 
heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you may live. The Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but there's an alternative. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so that's the message of these two witnesses. Next, let's look at their identity. Who are these two witnesses that will appear in Israel at the walls of the temple after the rapture of the church and at the beginning of the tribulation time? Well, many scholars speculate that these two witnesses will be none other than Moses and Elijah who will reappear on earth during the time of the tribulation. Now, you may say, well, that's so far-fetched. Could it possibly be that Moses and Elijah will actually come back to the earth and be these two witnesses? Well, that may not be as far-fetched as you might imagine. Because you see, both Moses and Elijah left this world under unusual circumstances. In fact, the Bible says that Elijah never died. He never experienced physical death. But Elijah was taken up alive into heaven in a fiery chariot. The Bible also says that God supernaturally buried Moses' body where it would never be found. And remember, there was another occasion when Moses and Elijah have already reappeared on the earth. And that was at the Lord's transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain and Moses and Elijah, the Bible says, appeared with Jesus and talked with him. Like Moses, these two witnesses will have the power to strike the earth with plagues. And like Elijah, they will have the power to keep it from raining upon the earth. So we've seen the message of these two messengers. We've seen the identity of these two messengers. Let's look at their immunity. Now, the Antichrist will hate these two messengers. And he will do everything he can do to silence them to unplug them from having any kind of access to preaching to the world. Attempts will be made to silence these witnesses. But here's what the Bible says. These two witnesses cannot be killed until the ministry God has assigned to them has been completed. Again, Revelation 11.5. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These two witnesses will be immune from harm until their ministry is over. Revelation eleven seven, When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. The beast that kills these two witnesses is the Antichrist. When their ministry is finished, God will allow the Antichrist to overcome these two witnesses. 
and to kill them. Up until that point, they were immune from any effort to take their life. But the Antichrist, after these two witnesses have finished their ministry, will be allowed to kill them. After what he assumes is his great victory, the Antichrist will triumphantly display the dead bodies of these two witnesses on the streets of Jerusalem for all the world to see. Revelation 11, 8 through 10. Their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Of course, Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will see their dead bodies. Three and a half days and will not be allowed, their dead bodies will not be allowed to be put into graves. Then those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. In celebration of the Antichrist's apparent victory, his followers across the world will send gifts to one another, kind of like the devil's Christmas. Now, this is interesting. The only time joy is recorded on the earth during the time of the tribulation is when the two faithful witnesses of the Lord are killed. That's the only time you will find any kind of joy recorded on the earth during the time of the tribulation. Biblical truth and faithful Christians really bug a lot of people. Many people think the world would be a better place if there were no Christians, and if there were no Bible, one of these days, they're going to get their wish and all Christians will disappear from the earth. And so the two witnesses that are on the, uh, by the, the walls of the temple in Jerusalem are immune until God says that their ministry is over. And then apparently they will be and they will be killed by the Antichrist. But the joy of the world over the death of these two witnesses will be short-lived. While millions of people are watching around the world on television and through the Internet, right before their very eyes, <laughs> these two witnesses will be raised from the dead. Revelation 11, verses 11 and 12. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered into them. They became alive again. They stood on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. This was the rapture part two. <laughs> These two witnesses will be raised from the dead and caught up into glory before an astonished world. You see, in the end, the devil and those who follow him cannot and they will not win. Punctuating the resurrection of the two witnesses, a great earthquake will occur in Jerusalem resulting in the destruction of one-tenth of the city 
and the death of 7,000 people. Now the specific number and the grammatical construction of the term 7,000 people indicate that the 7,000 who will be killed in this earthquake after the resurrection of these two witnesses are prominent people. These are probably the leaders in Antichrist world government that had gathered in Jerusalem to gloat over the death of the two witnesses. The tenth part of the city that falls probably includes the Jerusalem headquarters of the Antichrist. The result of all of this will be the first wave of Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Many in Jerusalem, the Bible says, will give glory to God. Many at this point of time will put their faith in Jesus Christ. The complete salvation of Israel in the tribulation time will occur when the Antichrist desecrates the temple and demands that he be worshipped as God, which will happen not long after these two witnesses ascend into heaven. And so what a dramatic chapter, Revelation chapter 11 is. The rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem after the rapture of the church at the beginning of the tribulation. The appearance of these two amazing witnesses, could it be? Could it really be Moses and Elijah? And the, the killing of these two witnesses by the Antichrist, the celebration of the world and victory, uh, apparently uh, celebrating this apparent victory by the Antichrist over these two witnesses, the resurrection of these two witnesses, and then their ascension into heaven. And this earthquake happens. And it is that point, at that point, that the nation of Israel begins to see, begins to understand that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And it is at this point that the nation of Israel begins to turn to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And the nation of Israel will then become the witnessing nation to the world that God has always called the nation of Israel to be. What a dramatic chapter in our study of the book of Revelation. Now, what does it mean for us today? Well, what, of it, what it means for us today is we must be faithful in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must be faithful in telling the world that the Bible is true, that one day Jesus will return to this earth, that every day is a day of grace and mercy and judgment and, and kindness from God as he gives those who have never trusted in Christ one more day, one more opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. We must be faithful in these days of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and living lives that give validity and credibility to our preaching of the gospel. Well, that's our study of the book of Revelation tonight, Revelation chapter 11. Next Sunday night, Lord willing, or unless the rapture happens or doesn't happen, next Sunday night, we'll be uh, continuing our study of the book of Revelation. We turn to Revel the rest of Revelation chapter 11. 
Until then, may God bless you as my prayer and thank you, Jesus, for who you are and all that you do for us. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.